Hey everyone, it's Abby. I'm recording this from my home studio, which today happens to be sitting underneath a blanket in my bedroom. The things you guys have learned about TV and podcast, audio, and video production during all of this, right? Well, last week we took a break to allow myself, producer Dory, and editor Shelley to navigate a new normal right now. The same one you're navigating in so many ways too, I'm sure. We're all working entirely from home, not even allowed inside KSDK, especially not the podcast booth. But we're still working really hard, as so many journalists out there are right now, to bring you the facts on the coronavirus and document how this is impacting our community. In the past couple of weeks, that has included the food and restaurant community. You guys are hungry for the latest information on all of that, so we wanted to bring it to you. Today on our Abbey Eats St. Louis COVID update, we're going to talk about some of these stories. We have the latest on restaurants opting to shut their doors and how you can support them still. Plus the ones that you can still bring home for dinner. How the federal stimulus bill will help the restaurant industry and its employees and how the industry is helping frontline healthcare workers. And we have a chat with the founder of one of our favorite St. Louis publications. Why she's worried about the future of Sauce Magazine and the restaurant scene they write about and what she wants all of us to do about it. Can you guys believe it's finally April? So much has changed since March 1st and even more since our last regular episode. Remember right before St. Patrick's Day when there was still some question over whether events would be canceled? When local leaders announced the closure of restaurant dining rooms a few weeks ago to prevent the spread of coronavirus, first in Illinois, then Missouri, a lot of restaurants pivoted their business models. Ordering by phone or online requires a totally different process, though, and packaging things for takeout? Well, a lot of places are navigating new territory in all of this. But it's a way to keep the revenue coming in, so many opted to go for it. Here's my quick chat with Alex, the assistant manager at Peacemaker Lobster and Crab Company in Benton Park. I caught her right at the beginning of the dinner rush. We're taking it day by day, kind of just doing it as we can. And so far, we've seen great turnout. And, um, you know, our purveyors are able to provide for us. So until that happens, we'll be here. How are you able to make sure that people are maintaining social distance in a crowded kitchen? So luckily, we have the space to accommodate that. Everything is very well spaced apart. We switch gloves in between every order. We wash our hands after every interaction with guests. Every time we bring a curbside order out, we change our gloves. We are taking every precaution we can to make sure that the guests feel safe and that the employees feel safe providing the food for everybody. Obviously, we want everybody to be safe. We want people to take every precaution necessary for this virus. We also, if you feel safe going out, go support your local businesses now while you can. Buy a gift card, buy a t-shirt, figure out how you can donate to these restaurants, whether it's ours or anybody else's. We're all in this together, and our biggest goal is just to take care of the people, and we'll do that as long as we can. We have a running, working list of places that are offering curbside pickup and delivery options on KSDK.com right now. The link is in the episode notes. Some restaurants did this for a while, but then as social distancing guidelines shrunk to limit gatherings to fewer and fewer people, it just gave some restaurant owners and managers pause. Celebrity chef and St. Louis restaurateur Gerard Kraft is quoted as saying that seeing crowded restaurant dining rooms left him more terrified than relieved. It's why he opted to shut down all of his restaurants temporarily right off the bat for social distancing's sake. Some of the spots that have now closed too, Pint-Sized Bakery, The Cup, Indo, Ted Drew's, Annie Guns, where 
eight employees tested positive. Owners say none of them displayed symptoms while working at the restaurant, but they continue to work with health authorities on that. Blues City Deli, Pappy's, Half and Half, Olive and Oak. The day they decided to close, I talked to co-owner Mark Hinkle about why. Hi. Oh, and this and all of the other conversations are recorded over the phone or video chat. Podcast from home, right? So please forgive the occasional barking dog or audio hiccup. Or cute kid. What's your name? Hey, Annie. <laughs> From a financial standpoint, it, it worked and it was successful for us. But unfortunately, that led to more concern where we're looking around the, the restaurant and seeing that we have 10, 15, 20 employees in the building and watching, watching the news and watching what's happening overseas and just really starting to get a better understanding of what COVID-19 is capable of. And it just... Honestly, it just started to scare us and make us question that. And you know, I know every every operation is different, and everybody's struggling with this decision on how do we how do we save our businesses, how do we take care of our staff that are so important to us, and um, balancing that with the social responsibility of taking care of people from a health standpoint and doing our part to stop the spread of this disease. And, it's crazy and it's hard and I know I can't speak for other people and everyone's operations are different but for us it was became just very evident that we weren't doing what's in the best interest of our people and our community and just talk a little bit about that concern the idea that you know it's really hard to do this without potentially exposing at least employees no it is it's so it's, you just don't know when we're just seeing the reason this pandemic has been so widespread is because it it's so contagious and it's so contagious even for people not showing symptoms. You could never show symptoms. You can just have not shown symptoms yet and still be very contagious. It's just so hard. I mean, we've taken steps like taking employees' temperatures when they come in. I mean, over-the-top cleanliness and sanitation beyond what, you know, we're us and everybody already acts in a extremely cautious manner in our day-to-day operations of our restaurants mm-hmm. to make sure we're safe and clean and we're all going above and beyond you know which you just get to the point where you're just like i don't know that there's enough you know things in the world that we can do to really prevent something we don't fully understand yet so how how can we feel safe doing it when we don't you know our the top scientists in the world are struggling to figure out everything about this disease right now so it's it's hard not shaming or telling anybody else what they should be doing in their business i just know that for our business this was the right the right move a lot of spots have actually switched what they're doing beyond just going for a takeout model narwhals where you used to be able to just stop in for frozen treats is making quarantine care packages including crispy edge pot stickers local beers toilet paper, and of course, two 24-ounce servings of one of their adult bevies. This is definitely in my personal weekend planner. Katie's Pizza and Pasta Osteria and Joya's Deli are both now slinging frozen versions of their pizzas. Urban Chestnut is launching a beer-to-home delivery program. Vicia, Gorilla Street Food, Salt and Smoke, they are offering meal kits for your whole family. Vincent Van Donut even has a take-home donut decorating kit. 
As much as we want this pandemic to be behind us, I kind of hope some of those options and ideas stick around. Amagetti's, Yolklore, Charred Crust, The Bailey's Restaurant Group, Union Loafers, they've all moved to market style. They're kind of now like small grocery stores. You can swing by for your milk, eggs, pasta, bread, and other provisions, most of them locally sourced. Anything, in my opinion, to avoid a grocery store at peak hours right now. Check out our Instagram story at Louis for the latest. We're trying to keep a running list of the latest announcements of how different places are pivoting, different offerings, different options. And make sure you tag us as well if there's anything cool that you think we need to know about. Thousands of people in our city work in the food industry in some capacity. In all of this, there have been a lot of layoffs, even at the restaurants that have stayed as open as possible. Maybe they couldn't move all of the wait staff to curbside roles, for example, or the person who coordinated catering and special events maybe had their calendar cleared of jobs to do for this foreseeable future. My beloved Juniper in the Central West End posted early on that they would be laying people off to allow their employees to seek unemployment benefits, since restaurants don't really have insurance to cover this kind of stuff. The multi-trillion dollar federal stimulus plan, the most expensive in history, was getting a lot of attention, especially from those in the restaurant and small biz industry. What does this mean for their rent, for their employees? I think you're muted on your end. I am muted. So if you hit the unmute button, it'll help. You're right, I was muted. And you look, actually, it's way the picture's way clearer, so that's awesome. The day okay. the stimulus bill passed, I called up Peter Baumgarten. He's a professor of practice at Washington University who really loves food and is darn good at reading through a hefty document. These bills are incredibly complex. I think the one that eventually got passed is 880 plus pages. Gerard Kraft, Kevin Nashen, Peter is the guy that these guys call with their questions over how to navigate policy. He also helped lead the charge to form a sort of makeshift lobby group on a call with Senator Josh Hawley's people before the bill passed. About a dozen local restaurant owners from St. Louis and Kansas City and a couple places in between were on the call. Peter helped the restaurant people understand what kind of help could be coming, but he also helped the political people understand what the restaurant business really needs right now. We've gotten further clarity around the support that people will get. Essentially, he says owners have two choices on what to do. They could let employees go to collect unemployment and consider getting a small business loan. While employment assistance is bolstered right now, it's a hard decision for business owners who already take on a lot of debt as the accepted cost of doing business. The other option, he says, is to apply for what the stimulus package is offering. Essentially, the package would provide money for their rent or mortgage, plus full staff payroll for the next two months, even if the restaurant closes during this time. But in this case, the restaurants would be required to put that same staff back to work in a fully functioning restaurant again by June 1st, and for two months after that. If you believe that everything is going to be back to normal in eight weeks, so in two months from now we hit June 1 and everyone's out going back out to eat and uh, taking takeout and the like, you can essentially get full coverage for these next two months and go back to full operations at that point. One of the things that they've wrestled with is, are people going to be going out to eat in the same way? Are they going to feel comfortable in an environment that's post-COVID? And that's the piece that we just don't know right now. Is there a smarter business decision at this point to do one or the other? Well, the benefit of keeping operations open for a period of time is you still get revenue. I don't think that there's necessarily a right or a wrong decision, but these restaurants need to think about uh, their risk tolerance and how they think about the, the both the employees as well as the customer. Mm -hmm. Should small businesses, small local restaurants 
still be laying people off? Good news is there's really two good options for the employees of a restaurant. One is to be held on payroll, uh, in which case they still continue to get their normal wages, uh, including tips included into that. Uh, and then the second option is that there is a bolstered level of unemployment insurance right now. So you get the standard rate from Missouri plus an extra $600 a week, which is pretty significant for both sides. So I do think the bill is quite helpful for helping out many of those employees as they're in this time of uncertainty. The thing that I would encourage these restaurant entrepreneurs to do is to be really caring in your communication with your employees. Um, there's a lot of uncertainty amongst uh, staff. And the right choice for one restaurant might not be the right choice for another. And so the more that you can be transparent about the process that you went through and clear about how you're approaching the next couple months as well as the months moving forward, I think is really important for the staff I know they care about uh, that work at their businesses. What would you do if you had a restaurant right now? That's a great question. Uh, I think right now I would lean subtly towards keeping people on staff, on payroll. Uh, and then getting them working hard on both thinking about what the future of this restaurant is going to be looking at. So if I don't have a takeout business, I'd be getting them thinking hard about what that looks like. If I'm thinking that people are going to be uncertain about whether or not they want to sit in close proximity, I'd have them be thinking about how we can set up our operations for further social distance, even in a new world. I don't think that there's necessarily a right or a wrong decision, but these restaurants need to think about uh, their risk tolerance and how they think about the, the both employees as well as the customer. In a lot of ways, I'm one of the lucky ones. I work for a company that's putting people first, letting us work from home if and whenever possible. And my job is essential. Journalism, reporting the news. And as of now, I'm still getting paid for it. But the economic impacts of the coronavirus aren't necessarily clear cut. Take Sauce Magazine, for example. Allison Mace was working in the restaurant industry when she got tired of flippant comments from outsiders that they didn't realize St. Louis had such good restaurants. Well, that was 20 years ago. This was supposed to be the big 20th birthday year of celebrating for Allison and the sauce crew. Now, she doesn't know what the future of her magazine holds. Allison, are you scared right now? Um, I'm, I'm, I am scared. I am scared because um, the, the slow train wreck visual that I keep having in my head of my friends, um, these people who are probably the kindest people you'll ever meet, the ones that you call and they donate a gift certificate every time, or they give you food every time you need it or help somebody. These are the people now who need help. The April issue has a black cover. Several spreads are dedicated to the economic impact of all of this on the restaurant industry. And in those spreads, there aren't pictures of food, of employees, of awesomely decorated hotspots or comfortable neighborhood favorites. They're empty boxes. Allison's letter from the publisher describes a state of panic. Here's more of our conversation. Those are words that you don't necessarily want to have to be using when you're talking about the, the fate of the culinary scene in St. Louis and also your own, your own publication. The, the feeling of helplessness and, and sometimes hopelessness is, is you know, so intense that um, all you can hope is that this is going to end soon. And then if everybody just follows the plan, we won't be doing this for two more months. We don't know how many friends and family members in the industry we're going to lose through this. Um, I know it's going to be um, significant, probably. Um, the, 
the landscape is going to be really brand new and everything that we've been doing before is probably going to need to be reevaluated and um, readjusted to support restaurants in a different way. Uh, we just don't know exactly what, what the scorched earth is going to look like when this is all over. Does sauce support restaurants or do restaurants support sauce? It's a give and take, definitely. Um, without, without restaurants, I don't, um, I don't exist, really. Um, and without sauce, the restaurants um, don't get as much play in the market as they probably would like. And uh, so, you know, we, we work for each other, basically. This is definitely hitting us. I mean, when you lose your advertising base in a day or over a course of a week, basically, um, it's, it's kind of shocking and a little scary. Yeah. And that being said, you know, I'm thinking about where I go to pick up a sauce. Mia, stop it. Um, sorry about that. So when I think about picking up a sauce, it's usually in or when I'm walking into or out of a restaurant. So how are you even, what do you envision happening with this April issue? Well, um, I know that a number of publications will probably just continue to drop in grocery stores, but Sauce has never been a publication you would pick up normally in the large grocery store chains. I like to put those in um, the the independent restaurants around town because I think it's going to it disperses better. So what I've done is I've reached out to a lot of independent restaurant tours. I've asked people through Facebook if they're willing to include a copy of Sauce magazine with their curbside delivery and takeouts. Um, and the response has been overwhelming. I've had so many people say, yes, we'll do it, we'll do it, which I'm really grateful for. The origin story of Sauce is a very St. Louisan one in the sense that you had a lot of pride when somebody wasn't sure or was not familiar with the good restaurants in St. Louis. Um, I think that that's something that more and more of us are familiar with in part thanks to the work Sauce has done over the past 20 years and just the continued evolution of the restaurant scene here. Do you, I guess, just talk a little bit about that first off, the idea that this, how much this scene has even grown since it was one you were proud enough of to start Sauce in the first place? Well, um, you know, it, this is a year from October to October. It's our 20th anniversary year. So, yeah, we're... Um, when I started, the, the restaurant scene was just, you know, kind of doing its thing, and it wasn't really growing. Um, there wasn't a lot of uh, communication around it. The chefs weren't really being highlighted, and um, it was just kind of a Passover thought. And, you know, I look around now, and all the advertisements around St. Louis, it's all about our great food scene, and, you know, really amazing chefs are coming to St. Louis and opening, and, and people are doing really well. It's thriving. And I think it really is the heartbeat of the city, this, the food scene, with all the breweries, um, all the restaurants, the grocery stores, everything, that, everybody that brings food in one way or the other, food and drink, they really bring a heartbeat to the city. And I've seen it grow stronger and stronger and stronger um, the, the two decades that I've been here. So now do you feel like there's more resilience or the capacity to bounce back from something like this, maybe a little more than 20 years ago? Maybe. I mean, I think that, um, you know, the, I think the community is much stronger than it was before. I think that also the, the, the people of St. Louis 
understand how important the food scene is in St. Louis, and they are extremely supportive. I've never seen such a supportive rallying around a group uh, as, as I have in the last week and a half. What is your message then to those of us who, you know, you, you are in the food journalism world having come from the food world exclusively. I'm on the journalism side of things, but I am a St. Louisan and I'm super proud of our food scene. Um, what is your message to those of us who do feel that heartbeat and want to make sure that that survives? You know, um, you've got to do it. You got to take it at your own pace. You got to you got to feel secure in what you're doing and how you approach the restaurants. If you want to if you want to support through the general funds that are happening around St. Louis, uh, like the Gateway Resilience Fund, which is a really big fund that's going to help a lot of people, you can donate there. If it's takeout, if it's supporting your individual restaurants in your in your direct area, it's it's do that. Let's let's if you're going to buy wine, buy it, buy it from a local purveyor. If you're going to buy food, buy it from somebody local who's you know trying to keep their shop alive and their employees employed. Uh, it it but. When this lifts in the future, and it will lift, we need to be out full force, dining out, drinking out, supporting as many people as we possibly can. We also have a link to more information about that Gateway Resilience Fund in the episode notes. Ooh la la. Ooh la la. Ooh la la. Finally, I want to give a shout out right now to the people in the restaurant biz who are still doing everything they can to support frontline healthcare workers right now, even as small businesses themselves are under so much pressure of their own. Clementine's Creamery, in your secret ice cream drop-offs at hospitals and fire stations, we see you. Chow Bon, sharing your 20% employee discount to those in the industry, yes. Soul Taco and Hotbox, giving us the option to buy and send meals and cookies to hospitals with free delivery at weird hospital worker hours? Thank you. Bon Me Shop in the Loop, you guys celebrated your one-month birthday by donating meals to workers at MOBAP. In the last week, you've taken more than 120 free lunches to hospital workers, and that is just incredible. Here's Tamara from Clementine's. It's just something to show our gratitude and to say thank you for all those who are working and, quite frankly, putting their lives out on the line every day. We live in this amazing city, right, that is so good to so many of us small businesses. We can't do it without each other, and we have to take care of each other. St. Louis, keep your head up, your heart open, and your table full. We will get through this. Just keep your distance and wash your hands. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Abby Eats St. Louis. We're going to continue being pretty active on that. We want to hear what you guys are eating. We want to follow along with you and share a meal with you. Until whatever next week brings, seize the plate. <laughs>